and welcome to another episode of Interactive Control, the place to get all your burning industrial control questions answered. I'm your host, Michelle Rosinski. Today I'll be talking about a very hot topic, energy transition, with my guest, Alex Cruz. Alex is currently the Energy Transition Solutions Global Knowledge Manager for Baker Hughes, where he serves as a scientist and SME on material science and advises on ways to stimulate R&D, policy, funding, and external engagements in the energy transition space. Previous positions include working for Shell as a process engineer and benchmarking advisor, as well as performing R&D for various renewable companies. He holds a BS in chemical engineering and a double PhD in the fields of material science and engineering sciences. In this episode, we talk about what energy transition means and different technologies it includes. Let's listen in to learn more. Hi, Alex. Thank you so much for joining us and being on our show today to talk about the energy transition. Thanks, Michelle. I'm so excited to be here with you today. Awesome. I'm excited to have you and learn more about this very relevant topic. So to get us started, can you talk about how your role or past experience has led to your knowledge of the energy transition? Of course. I am a chemical engineer by background, and I I would say I had a glimpse of all of the different facets of the energy sector. So I worked for for Shell, for uh, an oil and gas company, for a couple of years before moving to R&D of of solar cells, actually, so renewables. And then I did my PhD on uh, energy materials, material science and technology. And at Baker Hughes, I'm the global knowledge manager for energy transition, and I'm responsible for um, managing critical information that stimulate R&D, funding, and policy developments, both internally and externally. So uh, all these kind of exchange of info and knowledge, every day there's a new thing, there's a new event, a new article, or a new insight, and I, I uh, make sure that this is communicated in the organization in a timely and efficient manner. So yeah, not a lot of experience, but uh, have a depth of of like the scope and the breadth of energy transition. I have an insight of how it how huge it is. Yeah, well, I mean that sounds like a significant amount of experience to me, and I certainly enjoy getting all of your email communications about the different aspects of the energy transition. If you don't mind my asking, what was the focus of your PhD? So the so it's in materials science and engineering. So I developed uh, a process for a porous material. It's called metal organic framework. So you can think of it as nano sponges. So very small scale sponge, you know, about a hundred thousand times smaller than the diameter of a human hair. And wow. what this technology does is that you can fine tune the the pores of the sponge so that you can fit in a molecule you want to kind of encapsulate. So we're talking about carbon capture. You can fine tune the size of that window for CO2. You can put it on a sensor so that you can develop, you know, like a, a CO2 sensor for uh, air quality monitoring or or even in your smartphones where you can breathe in it and you can check whether you have early signs of diseases or 
or maybe put it on a on a food, you know, like to check whether it's spoiled or not. So there's really a lot of applications, and I've dealt mostly with the fundamental chemistry and engineering to actually put those on electronic devices or on reactors. Wow, that is super cool. I'm so glad I asked. Um, thank you. Yeah, no, thank you. So when we say energy transition, we hear that term a lot these days. Can you level set on what that means and why it's relevant to control system users? All right. So maybe a little bit of kind of history first for energy transition. So it sure. actually started, uh, it was originally defined as a pivot for the energy sector to go away from the traditional sources to renewables. But then society realized that energy transition is much much more than the energy sector, like right? Like we use uh, oil and gas resources, our energy, uh, you know, infrastructure, not just to power homes, but also to manufacture different um, commodities and also power infrastructure like hospitals and universities. So it's really all encompassing, right? Now for the control system users, I think it's important for us to realize that when we say that we're actually using control system infrastructure or, or, or platforms for the energy transition, it really means that, you know, like it's basically humanity and the society that we're living in we enable energy efficiency improvements so that we have lower emissions in our operations to produce electricity. But it's the same system or the same platform that we use to improve um, production of steel and cement for, for construction purposes or, or reduction of, of energy uh, wastes and um, different improvements on our manufacturing process for food. Right. So I think uh, we as an industry, you know, and the control system sector should realize the the weight of our contribution, not just not just in the energy sector, but also to all the connected industries, which we now call or attribute as energy transition. Yes. And so as control system users, if I understand they should be aware because the things that they're controlling are going to be changing as part of this energy transition, right? So if they're using power, that power may be coming from other sources than they're used to, or they've got things that they've got to pay attention to in terms of emissions or other things that are going to be important to pay attention to and try to control with the control system. Absolutely. And I'd like to emphasize the first point you've made on the energy uh, utilization or energy sources part, right? So we have base load and now we're going to renewables where it's a little bit more fluctuating. And I think mm -hmm. this is just one of the many, many examples where a control system is really playing its uh, crucial role in the energy transition space. Okay, totally. That makes complete sense. So then what are some of the different technologies that are being explored within the energy transition? It's a very, I'm glad you asked, Michelle, it's a very important question. And <laughs> uh, not just for our sector, not just for Baker use, but also for, for the energy industry in general. So we hear a lot about carbon capture, utilization and storage or CCUS. We hear about hydrogen and of course the related aspects of emissions management 
we also hear about clean integrated power and renewables like geothermal, solar, and wind. And I could uh, go on and on, but in terms of uh, kind of the, the industries we're looking at, I would say that those things that I've mentioned will be the focus of Baker use. Okay. Okay. So then what are some of the ways these technologies can be applied and what's the end goal in applying them? So really it's uh, lowering our emissions, right? So uh, Baker use and many other companies and some of our peers and partners have pledged to net zero by 2050 earlier, some some a little bit later. And it's not just really the industries, right? But also the different countries and different jurisdictions have made uh, this pledges and even signed it to a law. So there's really a, an end goal here, right? Of reducing our emissions, but it's called energy transition for um, for for what it is really. And, and we can call it an energy switch if we would like to, but it's called energy transition because there's a different phases, right? So uh, I would say, and the IEA also highlights this, that energy efficiency is one of the um, quick wins. So I would say that would go into the first phase, right? So deploying proper control systems, appropriate control systems for the energy efficiency that actually can translate not just the improvement of the process, but also in the emissions reductions and uh, reduction of, of waste in terms of processing. Um, and then there will be, uh, you know, a little bit more advanced, a little bit more capital heavy, such as um, plugging in carbon capture and storage uh, infrastructure and some of the hard to abate sectors like steel, cement. And then uh, there's also uh, switching to um, hydrogen instead of the traditional processes, not only for power generation, but also for chemicals production, which is obviously crucial for our commodities that we use every day. Right. So. And then you have um, uh, the, the kind of like the last phase where we actually um, deploy a little bit more integrated um, uh, systems, not just on the existing infrastructure, but building new um, kind of a whole paradigm of transport, for example, like fully switching to electric vehicles or uh, changing the paradigm of aviation by using low carbon fuels and um, electrification of rails. So um, these kind of play a role a lot. You know, it's a lot of, of things happening with one end goal, emissions reduction at the defined time. Okay, so if I caught that right, you're, you're thinking of this as there's kind of three phases that build on each other um, in terms of complexity and difficulty. And so phase one is focused on being more efficient with the energy that we're using, uh, having less energy waste, and that's going to reduce emissions. And then in phase two, it starts to get a little bit more complicated. We start trying to do carbon capture in areas like cement and steel. We're switching to H H2 hydrogen um, in the power space and the chemical space. And then phase three is is kind of the most complicated or difficult phase where we're getting everything more integrated. We're um, changing over our transportation industry to use electric vehicles, um, more efficient uh, aviation fuel and electrifying rails, right? That's basically what you said. <laughs> yes, 
So when I said uh, phase one, two, and three, it's not necessarily mean like we have to wait for phase one to finish before phase two. Mm-hmm. And a lot of a lot of the activities in phase two and three, if, you know, for the lack of a better term or or kind of a tag on it, is already happening, right, in different parts of the world. So it's really a mix of those three. And depending on where you are, how strong government policies and the different players in the industry are in your country, it will be a little bit of mix of everything and, and it will dif- take different timelines for these phases to mature. Yeah, yeah. So it, there's some parts of all of these phases happening somewhere right now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Gotcha. Okay. So then... We try to keep this podcast pretty vendor agnostic, but it is a Nexus Controls, which is a Baker Hughes business podcast. So I like to give my guests a chance to talk about what Baker Hughes um, can do to help in the areas that we're talking about. So can you talk about what Baker Hughes can do around the energy transition? Of course. Uh, I'm sure the other guests in the Nexus Controls podcast uh, podcast, uh, we're able to articulate a lot of the technology offerings of Baker Hughes, right? So it's really no question that we're an energy technology company, uh, very much able to offer technical capabilities, both equipment and human capital to solve one of the, some of the most pressing needs, especially in the energy technology space. Uh, we bring a little bit more color to that in terms of the energy transition space. I've mentioned a lot of technologies, a lot of scenarios in the last couple of minutes. But energy transition is a, is a team sport, right? And when I say team, it's not just the the people and, and the companies, but we also have to involve other stakeholders, such as our, our academic partners, our research institutes, our policymakers, and uh, we try to help our customers understand the different policies and the different jurisdictions where we operate and kind of help them to provide uh, the best possible solution, not just in the near term, but also in the medium and long term, right? So it's not really anymore about, um, you know, like uh, getting the the highest profit and margin, right? So now being sustainable, it's not a nice to have, but a must have. It's not anymore a social license to operate, but even a social license to exist in some countries. And it will soon be in many parts of the world in the next couple of years. Um, and with that, you know, like it's not about it's not about penalizing, right? There's also a different side of the coin, which is incentives, right? So. Um, it's important for us uh, as a company, as an energy technology company, to team up with like-minded uh, organizations and companies to come up with solutions for uh, various gaps in the energy technology space, access funding and incentives given by the governments to actually, you know, like while the cost is still quite high for some of these technologies, then governments can be able to offset that until we're both on our feet with our peers and, and our our collaborators. So yeah, so so just to summarize, really we understand policy. We have a strong policy team in the energy transition team at Baker Use. We also have a strong funding team who continuously look for potential partners 
uh, and collaborators in different parts of the world to access the the incentives and the opportunities uh, that governments and policymakers provide to make this happen. Yeah, which seems so critical because if I was a customer, it's hard enough to run my operation and try to stay on top of making sure I'm making that as profitable as it can be. But then with all of the new aspects coming with the energy transition that everybody's going to have to come up to speed with, there's a lot. I see your emails and even just reading your summary emails can be overwhelming, let alone all of the different you know, uh, webinars or talks or articles or papers that you've gone through to create these summaries. So, you know, I think as a customer, having a company that understands the space that can help them to understand what they need to do, the relevant policies, where they can look to partner or get funding, I think is is going to be really key. And if I was a customer, I would feel much better having somebody to help guide me in that process. Absolutely. So before we go, do you have anything else you'd like to cover? Maybe I'd like to make one last remark. You know, we've talked about uh, technology, we've talked about policy, funding. I'd like to highlight one of the greatest assets any organization uh, will have. It's actually the people, right? And um, Mm. I think we have to also emphasize the uh, diversity and inclusion that we at Baker Hughes are very much uh, uh, kind of putting an emphasis on and and really experience this firsthand, you know, like I I have this as knowledge manager and that's why the emails are coming to you because the, 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 the company gives me uh, like that level of comfort to actually share my insights that I get from mm-hmm. internal and external partners and sources. And, you know, that just gives us more, uh, more. It, it amplifies our creativity as we tackle the energy transition space, which is very critical, right? So that, that out-of-the-box thinking, mm-hmm. it's really enabled by support and you know that psychologically safe place where you can put your ideas forward and it's heard on the table so yeah happy to and this conversation the two of us are having i mean we're from different parts of the world different product lines but we get to interact because of that collaborative space so really happy to be here discussing this with you yeah it's it's so true and i mean in any new space where you have to be innovative you have to have the safety and the comfort to feel like you can try new things and it's okay if it doesn't work out, you learn and you pivot and you keep moving. And, you know, that's not just within our company at Baker Hughes, but it's all of us together really on the planet trying to figure out how we get through this energy transition together. Absolutely. I I couldn't agree more. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I've really enjoyed having you on the show, and I'll I'll have to try to talk you into doing another episode in the future because this was so great. Happy to be here, Michelle. See you soon. Thanks. Take care. Bye. Bye. Thanks, everyone, for joining me for today's episode of Interactive Control, where we discussed the energy transition including topics like carbon capture and storage, hydrogen, emissions management, 
clean integrated power and more. We at Nexus Controls hope you found this discussion helpful. If so, please subscribe to our podcast and tell all your control friends about us. You may also want to check out our website at nexuscontrols.com where you can learn more about how we can support your energy transition needs. Lastly, don't forget the title of this podcast is Interactive Control for a Reason. If you have a topic you'd like us to cover that we haven't yet, or if you'd be interested in being a guest on our show, please send me a message over LinkedIn or email me, and we'll do our best to cover it in a future episode. Thanks again, and bye for now.